You'll say funny thing. You'll dick licky. People, it's your boy Big Drizzlax here for another episode at the Drizzlax Hip Hop Show. Welcome to the show. I wasn't going to do a podcast this quick to doing my last podcast, but seeing that there are so many people listening to this shit, which still fucking blows my mind. Where are all you guys that are listening to this shit? Seriously, like I'm fucking seeing people from other countries listening to this. It's it is a bit crazy. It's a bit crazy, really. It is. The idea that anybody would really want to hear what the fuck I have to say is just fucking mind-blowing within itself. Like, the Drizzlax, the biggest cook cunt you've ever fucking come across in your life, mate. And uh, you motherfuckers are are listening to me dribble shit on a weekly. (laughs) Oh, man, it's appreciated. It really, really is. Shit's appreciated, guys. So thank you so much, as always. Like I said, I didn't want to do one this quick to, you know, drop in one last week and shit about the Doom news, rest in peace to Doom, which is crazy, man. Still, it's hard to believe and just the amount of love online as well is really fucking awesome. And I'm choosing to talk about the love a little bit more than all the bullshit that's happening on eBay and people price gouging and things like that man like the naru doom album has always been around 30 bucks and then seven dollars postage i wrote this up on my instagram stories but i listened to it back in the days at Northside records i I usually give albums 30 seconds aside it's an old thing that dr dre said a very long time ago that just always stuck with me dre was like yo um you don't have time as a dj to flick through every single song and give every, you know, listen to every single song, three minutes, four minutes, whatever the fuck. He was like, a good DJ can usually tell within, you know, five seconds of the needle being on a track, whether it's a good track or not. And when I was going through the Naru Doom album, I knew that it was a great album because I could pick it, you know, I just have an ear for that. I guess we all do that, uh, underground hip-hop heads there's a certain style that we listen to as soon as you hear those drums whatever and i'm not really sure why i didn't buy it back then i was trying to think about why didn't i buy it and the only thing that i could think is maybe i already had my pile and i didn't have any more money or something like that but i just let it go and um, i ended up getting that record yesterday at union heights for $37 so shout out to Frank for not slapping a huge price tag on there man he could have put like $80 on the shit and some dumb fuck would have come past and 
he would have bought the shit. So I'm really thankful that I still got this album for 37 bucks. It is actually a pretty good album. I only listened to it one time today and I'm like, yo, this shit's pretty dope. The other thing that I bought was a Smith & Wesson album, which is called The All, produced by Ninth Wonder and The Soul Council. They're not called the Coco Brothers. They're back to being called Smith & Wesson. I know there was a big lawsuit over that name and... Uh, seems like everything's kind of been cleared up. On the back it says Ducktown Music and Bucktown, B2U, Bucktown, USA. Executive produced by Tech and Steel, Ninth Wonder and The Sold Council. Associate Executive produced by Druha and Buckshot for Ducktown Music. So that's pretty dope, man. It's only 12 tracks. It's no skits really... I uh, think, oh, it's just one skit, which is track two, which is Testify. So, yeah, it's just an 11-track banger, man. The two sides go pretty quick when you're listening to this. I don't, I think it only goes for about 35 minutes, which is a little bit um, of a shame. But uh, I don't know, man. Short and sweet is kind of where it's at. That's a dope thing these days. It's funny because a lot of artists, they just, they really struggle to end an album at like 10, 12 tracks. Short and sweet, man. They're putting 17, 18, 20 tracks. Like, you can always trim that fat. Even music to be murdered by with Eminem. It's such a great album, but I feel like there's still two or three tracks that should have not been on that album, and it would have just been that much better. I kind of feel like we're living in days where skits are becoming a little bit I don't know, man. They're just becoming a little bit played out. The intro, the outro, the skits. It's the type of thing that in the beginning when you hear it, you're like, oh, wow, that's pretty cool. Like Alfred Hitchcock talking or whoever it may be. Like, doesn't matter. I think that you can have skits, but they got to be really good skits. You know, shit that 20 years later down the line, like a red man, you know, like a red man skip. You still like, it's like Uncle Quilly, man, talking to those chicks about their fake nails and their, he's like, yo, I can smell the glue, right? The fuck over here. Quilly and shit. Fucking, I think those skits kind of stand the test of time, but for the most part, I'm a little bit sick of them. And that kind of transitions to this next shit that I wanted to talk about, which is I've been seeing a lot of people online post about what their favorite MF Doom album is. And, of course, Operation Doomsday is going to come up the most, man. It's on Fondalem Records, and, you know, that's Bobito's from Stretch and Bobito, right? That's Bobito's little label from back in the days and shit where um, after the hot 97 shit ended, you know, like he was putting out a lot of stuff with um, all these kind of artists that most of us never heard of. And when I was living in Adelaide and going digging at, at Central Station, Derek, like Madcap, would always be pushing these Fondalem Records 12 inches and shit. And he'd be like, yo, you need to get this, you need to get this. And I'm like, what is this shit? Like, what the fuck? Like, who is this? Sia? I've never heard of this guy before. Which ones are the ones that I had? I had Sia, Yashua, the Poet. That was actually really good. Just the Sia one. Um, I didn't have any of the Doom ones. I didn't have any of the KMD ones. I had Signs of Life. I had one of those. 
And what else? What else? I had a few of them, but none of them were really like the real big names. Isn't this funny? The first Fondalem Records 12-inch is with Godfather Don and Cool Keith. I just did a post last night on my Instagram, and I was listening to Cool Keith's album Future Magnetic. And the first track on that is Godfather Don featuring Godfather Don. It's called Stratocaster. It's a really cool fucking track. And the front cover is um, a little boy kind of at like a counter or a fast food kind of counter. And there's a chick there in high heels, which looks to be maybe like a sex worker or something like that. And you can only see the booty, man. And knowing Cool Keith, bro, it's like it's probably a fucking dude with a wig on and shit, man. So I don't want to really say anything about that i'm just gonna leave it there man cool keeps a twisted ass motherfucker sometimes but yo for anybody that hasn't heard that album future magnetic it's actually pretty dope man it came out 2016 i haven't seen it on vinyl but um i feel like if i did see it on wax that i'd probably buy it just a huge cool keith fan man to this day like he's just top five for me Okay, so back to the favourite album, right? The Doom favourite album. I know that a lot of people are just going to be like Operation Doomsday, it's on Fondalem, Bobito, lots of, you know, it's his first shit and we all know how it is with rappers. It's usually their first album that everybody's drawn to. If it's a good album and then after that nobody really cares. Look at Nas, it was kind of like Illmatic, the dopest and then it was written which was like yeah and then after that everything was just like yeah like isn't it funny how nas has just had the shittiest career really like um it's fucking crazy he was battling jay-z for the king of new york and i guess if you just looked at both of their first albums i'd I'd probably give it to nas but at the same time overall i think jay-z was always gonna win that one on a little side note, but yeah, the Victor Vaughn shit, man, that's that's the first one for me. I think that if the production went in that direction as well in hip-hop, it would have been so amazing. It went in the whole 50 Cent era, the G-Unit, and hip-hop was lost for so long, I kind of feel like, between 2000 and 2010, maybe even a little bit longer than that. It was like 2012 when all the underground shit really started hitting it was kind of like the john wayne tapes were coming out and zarface started to come out a bit later and apollo brown was coming out and doing all this shit and then there was um uh, run the jewels with lp and killer mike which was mind-blowing the victor vaughn album that's kind of like the production i really really love the production of that album I like the fact that there isn't as many skits in it as well, that there isn't as much kind of like goofy shit. And I know a lot of people that love Doom like that shit. And I don't mind it, but after a while, man, I'm kind of just like, uh, I just kind of like Doom when he was just spitting. And um, even the skits on that album where it's these nights, poetry nights, Because after Doom was homeless, after his brother died and Electra dropped him and the Black Bastards cover and he was wandering the streets of New York, he he, after the three years, he kind of started popping up in poetry clubs, man. And it's kind of 
awesome to see that on the Victor Vaughn shit, the skits were that whole poetry club shit, like the white boy spitting about marijuana and, you know, they're the kind of skits that doesn't matter like how many years it's been. There's been like 15 years I've been listening to that album and I still get a kick out of it. But the best thing about that album is the production, honestly, like the beats and the futuristic type sounds and some of the stuff that they're putting in there, like some of the sounds that you hear are like straight up from like Star Wars, these robot type sounds and shit. And I'm just, I've always loved that album. And it's funny because I was saying to Howie up in Queensland, man, shout out to Howie getting into casinos in thongs and shit up there. I was saying to him that I had the Victor Vaughn um, vinyl in my watch list on eBay and the day that he died, that got scooped up real quick. I think it was like $80. You know, good luck getting that shit now. And this is kind of the ugly side of shit, right? The stuff that wasn't really selling last week now is going for crazy prices. I saw one of the doom figurines it was like three grand and a pair of used doom shoes nikes that was like three thousand dollars and now the albums are everyone's bidding on the albums they're like two three hundred four hundred five hundred six hundred dollars and you go to discogs and it's the same thing it's kind of like the ugly side of all this stuff i saw a lot of posts on facebook as well about the discog prices about some of the things that weren't really like his best works or whatever now they're like 400 500 bucks and there's not many of them people are just buying anything and everything and it's kind of sad man because um you got a lot of this stuff online man a lot of it's in itunes and shit and i know the vinyl sounds the best i mean i bought the naru doom shit yesterday but for the most part Oh, man, if it wasn't valuable to you before, like I sold all my tapes and there were so many Doom tapes in there and I had this like metal tin box set of tapes, Operation Doomsday, and I sold all the stuff, man. I don't regret it for one second because to me, a lot of this shit isn't about the money, man. A lot of the fucking... Uh, hip-hop shit isn't about the money man i listen to hip-hop because i like listening to hip-hop and i'm sure there's a lot of you out there as well that don't really give a fuck about this whole collectability thing like if you had it before that's awesome that's great but like why chase it now when it's like out of you know I'm, there's no way i'll ever own the victor vaughn album there's just no way i would never pay more than fucking 150 bucks for it straight up so I don't want it on CD and to be honest with you, I don't know if I'd even pay 150 bucks for it. I'm just going to stick to iTunes. I'm good. I'm good. I've thrashed that shit anyway. So I've thrashed a lot of the Doom stuff. Operation Doomsday, uh, Take Me to Your Leader, the Victor Vaughn shit, the MM Food. Um, what else? What else has he done? Let me just bring it up on my trusty iPad. Live from Planet X. I've never heard that before. I might have to check that out. Expectoration. Ex How the fuck do you say that? Expect Expectoration. Gold Dust Media. Never heard that shit either. It's a live album. Um, what do we got? Collaborative studio albums. Yeah, we all know the Doom stuff. I'm not going to go 
through all this shit. But yeah, there is the ugly side of the stuff. You, you see so much of the good shit online where people are like, man, he influenced the shit out of me. We love his style. We love Doom. People are posting their collections, which is so dope to see. And then you have this other ugly side where people are just fucking, you know, buying and reselling and whatever the fuck, man. So I don't really care. I don't really care, man. There was a post on Facebook about people giving newcomers shit. So if they've never heard of Doom before, now that they're listening to Doom, all these like gatekeeper type guys were just giving them shit. And it's just like, man... This is a good thing, like, it's probably a good thing for his family. And the more streams that they get and when they put out merch and this, that, whatever, it's a good thing, man. Maybe his family and his kids get paid and shit. Just on his kids, man, I don't really want to talk about this for too long, but I didn't know that one of his sons had died. That's fucking crazy shit. I'm not really going to go into that. So, you know, he seems like he was a tortured guy, man, like, he had his brother pass away and then he was on the streets and then, you know, one of his kids died and shit's crazy. One of the fucking reasons that I wanted to do this little podcast today is just because I was shooting some stuff for YouTube and it just wasn't working out. I couldn't get the lighting right and um, I kept reshooting it. I've been working for three or four hours today and I just wanted to sit down and talk some shit. So I packed up all the video stuff, I deleted all the stuff that wasn't good, but there was some good footage, so I kept that, and I'm going to reshoot it next week with the shit that I've learned, because I've learned a lot today about what I need to do to get this episode out, and I think that when you're a creative, that it's just better sometimes to delete the whack shit and be a little bit more patient and just don't put half-ass shit out. If you're aware that it's half-assed, don't put it out. Obviously, sometimes you don't know that something's whack or whatever the fuck and you just end up uploading it. But I was like, I didn't want today to be a wasted day. I got up at 5 o'clock this morning and I did my washing. I did a whole bunch of shit, shopping, this, that, whatever. And then I shot some stuff. I learned some stuff. I failed with some stuff and here I am talking about some other stuff. So... <laughs> Crazy Sunday, summer's in full effect in Australia, man. Um, it's really nice to see the sun shining outside. I should be at the beach or something like that, but I'm lazy as fuck, man. I've been struggling a little bit with work this week and um, just going through some other shit, which we all go through our little ups and downs, man, but whatever. I'm going to keep fucking going, keep pummeling and this, that, so... The one thing that I didn't talk about uh, is the mics of men Wu-Tang shit. So I re-watched that last week and I was going to talk about it, but then I ended up doing the 30th episode, which I just wanted to make a little bit more special. It was about Doom and it was just tied into my own personal struggles. It's crazy to see how many people actually listen to that episode. You know, not a crazy number, but it was over 50. I think it's headed towards 60 people that have listened to that. And so whoever you are out there, I really appreciate you hanging out with me and listening to me and chilling with me. Um, it's hard to talk about a lot of shit sometimes. It's hard to talk about struggles and we all go through them. And the world can look really fucking ugly 
you turn on the news and there's so much hatred and people fighting and you can't comment without somebody jumping down your throat. And I saw this really cool little post on Instagram. It was a guy holding a sign and he said, we can disagree and still be friends, which is a pretty amazing little quote because there are so many people, it seems like these days on Facebook, if they disagree, automatically it's this huge fight and you're a bad person and Yo, man, everyone's entitled to their own opinion. Just because somebody feels a certain way about some shit, man, don't jump down their throat. We can still be friends. Even if we disagree, we can still be friends. So chill the fuck out, yo, straight up. The Wu-Tang shit about friendship. It is amazing that they were all uh, so tight in the beginning and Wu-Tang could have been this huge, huge fucking brand if they all just didn't veer off and do their own things. One of the things that I saw was Ghostface arguing with Divine. So Divine is uh, Bobby Digi's Barbie, 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 Digi, Digi, Digi. Remember that shit? Shit was so whack, man. I never understood that. It's fucking modem sound shit. But Divine was basically saying how he brought a $4 million deal to the crew and he wanted his 20%. He was going to take eight hundred grand, And Ghostface was like, nah, man, that's for us. Like, you get nothing. So I was just like, what the fuck, man? Like, managers usually get that, like, 10%. And I kind of feel like they should have had contracts in place that they all agreed on, man, you know, if it was like 7% or whatever the fuck, but I kind of thought it was a little bit harsh on Ghostface's part to say, yo, you get nothing. Divine brought the deal. Like, you got to realize that you'd get nothing if Divine didn't bring that $4 million in the first place. So it kind of felt like, woo, they were just like brothers, man. And they even say it, like in the beginning, they were all hungry and... They wanted to do great things and be a part of this crew and put things out and do amazing things. And Divine talks about how he bought them all houses and investment properties and and um, they still jump down his throat and they're just like, yo, man, look at all the houses that you have in Long Island, Staten Island and all that shit. And he was like, you know, back in the days when I gave you a check, I also took a check and you spent your money on whatever the fuck you spent it on. And he's like, yo, I spent my money on what I spent it on, which is property. And I kind of feel like in Long Island, property's shot through the roof because it's such a beautiful part of New York. He's sitting on a boat and you can tell that he's done extremely well for himself. And it sucks, man, because when you're poor and you're hanging out, friendship, and, and you're all hungry and you're fucking struggling, I kind of feel like they're the best times in a crew. I kind of feel like when the money comes into it and when success starts coming into it and different people start coming into the circle, you know, you always attract those like vultures from the outside. It's just a recipe for disaster. But yeah, Ghostface, I think it was a little bit too harsh. They should have all sat down in the beginning and just talked about percentages and shit, which is, it's a real fucking shame, man. And at the same time, I I understand 
Divine's point of view and the Riz's point of view, where he was, they were both like, yo, man, motherfuckers are like ungrateful. The Riz's producing beats, he's doing the albums, and, you know, he's doing someone's album. And they're like, yo, it's time for us to do another album. And Riz is like, nah, motherfucker, like, you already got your album out. Now it's your turn to help your brother put an album out. And they weren't doing that shit, man. And it's a fucking shame because when you look at Wu-Tang as a brand, you can build something like that to be so fucking powerful, man, where it's just generating crazy amounts of money. Ghostface saying, like, fuck hot 97 on stage as well when getting banned for 10 years, that was just some dumb shit straight up. They're touring with fucking Rage Against the Machine. They go and do this hot 97 shit, and Ghostface gets up on stage and says, fuck hot 97. They don't play Wu-Tang records for 10 years. That's how they crack them. What the fuck? So they're playing all the shit in New York, and they're not playing any Wu-Tang. And it hurt the fucking brand straight up. So you got to play that game sometimes, man. No matter what you're feeling inside, you just got to smile and you got to be like, nah, man, um, I'm good, you know, I'm good. You smile your way through it and you deal with it behind the scenes as much as you can. Looking at that Wu-Tang shit, I just kind of feel like of Mike's of men, men would be a lot more men would be a lot more mature about a lot of that shit they just work the shit out and they'd be like yo it's time for us to step the fuck up and just talk this shit out i guess when you're young and there's money and there's other people whispering in your ear and whatever you're gonna be like fuck and then seeing dirty die as well and his substance abuse stuff and going to jail and the RZA and Divine talking about how they could have helped him, how they could have taken him to Idaho. And was it Idaho or was it Ohio? I always get those two mixed up. But they have a farm up there and they were like, Dirty didn't need to be with Rockefeller and Damon Dash and all these other people. He needed to be at home with his cousin and people that loved him. And kind of feel like Dirty might still be around if he didn't go and veer off into his other shit and with his manager. And it's so funny the RZA walks into the room and old Dirty's manager doesn't even know who the RZA is. He's just like, yo, man, um, they like he shakes his hand and he's like, oh, what's your name? You know, and the RZA's like, oh, I'm, I'm the RZA. And he goes, oh, man, yo, you're, oh, okay, you're the RZA. Awkward as fuck. It's like, bro, how do you not know who the fucking RZA is? He's like the most fucking awkward-looking motherfucker ever. Just the way that he talks, you know. Not He's not awkward-looking, but, like, the way that he talks, you know, I'd be like, oh, man, it's the RZA Rector. It's like, oh, you, he's like, you're a lot taller in real life. Who says that shit, bro? Like, who the fuck says that shit? Like, this dude was a fucking dick rider, man. And you're always going to have these outside... Ass vultures and motherfuckers whispering people's ears and shit. But yeah, rest in peace to Dirty. But yeah, that sucks, man. It really sucks that Dirty had to die. Fuck, man. He was such a character. Just watching him on that shit, man. Just cruising around in a limo around like Brooklyn and New York, Manhattan and shit. Fuck, man. They don't build him like that anymore. He was a, he was a cool cat, you know.
Yeah, that's pretty much all I wanted to talk about this week. Just a bit of Doom talk, a bit of reselling talk online and shit. How do you guys feel about that? I mean, fuck, who's going to feel good about that? The good thing to see is all the love online. I still don't know what the fuck is going on with the whole let's announce this shit two months later on New Year's Eve in America, New Year's Day in Australia. Only thing that I can really think is that maybe they agreed upon some contracts or something like that where there was going to be money going back to Doom or some shit like that in 2021 or they renegotiated something and they just were like, yo, if it's if we're going to announce it whenever we're going to do it in the new year and shit and they did it on New Year's Eve, which still doesn't make fucking sense to me. I really just don't get that shit. Like whose idea was that? There has to be something else behind this. Saw a few other people talking about him dying on Halloween and how people wear masks on Halloween and, you know, the symbolism there and stuff, which is pretty, pretty amazing. But yeah, man, it's like, it's just something that I don't really understand. If anybody knows why or if anybody thinks that they might know why they did this shit, man, just hit me up on the Drew's Lax Instagram. Let me know. Maybe there's something else behind this. I don't really know what the fuck is going on, but why? Okay, so the last thing that I'm going to talk about this week is guests on the show. And I'm going to try and have as many as I can this year, honestly. Um, next Sunday, I've got the kid Wolsey coming through, which I'm really fucking hyped about. I saw him yesterday at Union Heights. And we spoke about it, so that's locked in, man. Uh, he's such a fucking good kid, honestly. And um, it's really good to see the next generation kind of uh, holding it up like that. And uh, I just really want to know about this whole DMC stuff and his mixtapes. And he was talking about how he did his first live show in a while on Friday, which is dope as well because, you know, the COVID thing and... Um, so yeah, we got him in. I really want to talk, uh, to admin as well, just about his collection, the Dupe collection and the rolling pin label shit that he's doing and some of the other stuff that he's going to be releasing. I think that it would really be awesome to talk to him because I think that the guys honestly got one of the best record collections in the country, man. Nobody has better records than admin. So I think it would be really cool to have a chat with him about that. Who else? We got a couple of other cats that I'm talking to, man, but it's just about finding that perfect time and shit. Yeah, so uh, I think there's going to be some really good ones this year and I really love doing this shit. So thanks for all the support. It's always really appreciated. I'm going to leave it there. Till next week, we're going to have that fucking uh, podcast with Wolsey and shit. It's going to be dope. So tune in for that one. That's it from me. Let's play the fucking outro music. Thanks for chilling.
yeah, yeah, yeah. Beat a bitch quick with your big dick shit. And uh, I'm out. Peace. Thank <laughs> you.